Hello and welcome back to Benaiah, Mighty Man of God by P.H. Thompson, an audiobook. This is chapter 35. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Genesis 6-8 The day after Benaiah's brother-in-law died, he travelled with his wife and children to his family home for the memorial, as Marari had already been buried the next day, as was the custom. They stayed with Jehoiada and Dinah for two days. Benaiah's childhood home seemed empty and quiet compared to the days of his youth, when it was full of children and activity. His mother could no longer see well enough to do her needlework, so she kept her hands busy preparing more food than they needed. Benaiah felt his father's gaze on him, so he suggested a walk. As much as he appreciated seeing his family, the town of Kabzeel held many painful memories, even after all this time. As he passed through the streets, thoughts of Amizabad threatened to drown him in despair, and he didn't have the strength to fight them. They strolled to the edge of town, away from the noises and smells of everyday life, to a quiet stream. It had been many years since Benaiah had come to Kabzeel, the last time probably for one of his sister's weddings. Jehoiada plucked a leaf from an overhanging tree and rubbed it between his fingers. He motioned for Benaiah to sit near the stream, and they sat in silence for a few moments. Jehoiada laid a hand on Benaiah's shoulder, conveying comfort and strength. He heaved a heavy sigh. How are you, my son? It wasn't just a casual question. How was he? Depressed? Discouraged? Uncertain whether God was pleased with him, even after a lifetime of service? But how could he communicate that to his father? Should he even try? Gazing at the ground, Benaiah asked, Do you remember what you said to me after a Mrs. funeral about Saul's disobedience and the words of the prophet to him? Jehoiada nodded. To obey is better than sacrifice. What of it? Benaiah swallowed hard. I tried, Abba. After Amiz died, I swore it would be my life's mission to obey God and those in authority over me and to protect those entrusted to my care. And you've done that. You fought alongside David, championing his cause, guarding him and your family, and obeying as a soldier. So what concerns you? Benaiah hung his head. My disobedience caused my brother's death. But when I sought to obey, that resulted in death as well. How could that be, son? Benaiah told his father about David's orders to kill Nabal, which he would have blindly obeyed if Abigail had not intervened. A woman had to step in and save me from following that wicked order. I didn't have enough strength of character to question David or even appeal to him as a friend. I was so afraid of disobeying that I would have spilled the innocent blood of a family in Israel. But God spared you. Yes, that time. But then I failed to protect Moriah. I assured her father that she would be safe with me. But when the Amalekites raided Ziklag, they took our families captive. Amiz was just a year old. They trusted me, and I let them down. But God kept them all safe and secure. You told me nothing was lost. It's true, but that's not the worst of it. Benaiah hesitated. I, I played a part in David's adultery with Bathsheba. His father sucked in a sharp breath. How could that be, son? Benaiah shared how he followed the king's command to get the wife of Uriah for him. David was responsible for his own sin, and you did try to warn him. It wasn't enough. I should have refused, or told him he shouldn't do this wicked thing. I should have stood up to him. But I was so sure that obedience was what the Lord expected of me, I said nothing. Benaiah closed his eyes in an attempt to block out the painful memories. 
I could have prevented it. Jehoiada offered no words of comfort. What could he say? Then when David wrote the orders for Uriah to be abandoned on the battlefield, I passed the note to Uriah myself. Several others died in that battle, including my friend Mikhail. Then the son of David and Bathsheba died as well, all because I delivered Bathsheba to David that night. Jehoiada stroked Benaiah's back. Did you know what was in the note? No, but so many people have suffered and died because of me. Jehoiada lowered his head and Benaiah knew he was praying. Finally he looked up. I am proud of you, my son. You have a heart to serve and please God. He led you into this vocation, so far removed from what I expected and yet so perfectly suited to you. He put you into the life and times of our nation for a reason. Could his father truly be proud of him? Surely he still held some disappointment in his chosen profession. God is not pleased with only outward signs and ceremonies because he sees our motives and thoughts. It's not obedience in itself that is the path to life. His father could have just as well slapped him in the face. This was a complete contradiction of what he'd believed all his life, that only obedience pleased God. Well, what is it then? It's grace. I don't understand. Jehoiada stroked his beard, a move Benaiah always associated with impending lecture when he was young. Do you remember the stories I told you over the years about our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Noah, and Joseph, about the wilderness wanderings and God's provision of food and water? Of course. Those stories reveal the character of our God. The failures of our people are meant to show that none of us can fully keep God's law. But if we can't keep the law, why did God give it to Moses? To drive us to call out to him for mercy. He doesn't bless us because we please him by our actions. That would be like an employee receiving his wages. Scripture says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It was his faith in God, not his actions, that caused God to declare him righteous. Scripture also says that before the flood, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. But then it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That was before he built the ark in obedience to God's command. Benaiah contemplated his father's words. How had he never seen it that way before? We priests are careful to observe the law and strive to keep God's ordinances, all 613 of them. But fully keeping the law is impossible. Only God is holy, and unless he shows us grace, we are all lost. Remember how the children of Israel grumbled about the manna God provided? He sent fiery serpents among them, and many died. And when Moses interceded for them, God told him to fashion a bronze serpent on a pole. I've always thought that odd. Why would the Lord order Moses to make an idol of any sort, let alone one of a creature that would remind people about the sin of our first parents in the Garden of Eden? The people were not to worship it, merely to look at it. When they gazed upon it in faith, they were healed. It must have seemed an absurd command to merely look, Benaiah mused. The image represented their problem, which was, on one level, deadly snake bites, but not on deeper level, deadly sin. In the same way, our problem is not just physical death, but our potential for being separated from God forever. Isn't that why we strive to obey God, to please Him? Benaiah asked earnestly.
Indeed, and yet all he wants us to do is to look to him in faith and believe that he will make a way for us even when we continually fail. Are you saying we shouldn't strive to keep the law? Benaiah was incredulous. Of course we should. That is what sets our nation apart from others. But he did not choose us because we were greater in number than any other people. He chose us because he loved us and because he was keeping the oath that he swore to our fathers when he brought them out from bondage under the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt. We have nothing to boast about in spite of our many blessings. It's faith in God's promises that sets apart those who believe from those who trust in their own goodness or in their lineage or tribe. We do not earn God's favor by keeping his laws perfectly. Our blessings are the response of a loving God who chooses to show us his grace. Could this be the answer to his search for redemption and acceptance with God? Son, you need to cease striving and rest in God's grace. Have faith that he will teach you. I have seen God's blessings many times in my service to David. Once a word came to him from the Lord, promising that he would build David an enduring house and that someone from his lineage would sit on the throne forever. That prophecy refers to the Messiah. Who else could have an eternal kingdom and live forever? King David is blessed indeed if the Messiah is to come through his family line, and you are blessed to be in his presence and witness the unfolding purposes of God. The king himself demonstrated that kind of grace when he showed kindness to one of Prince Jonathan's descendants because of his covenant with Jonathan. He spared Mephibosheth, gave Saul's lands to him as an inheritance, and took him in as one of his own sons, providing for him every day at the king's table and offering him fellowship. And just as Mephibosheth accepted those undeserved gifts from David, I pray you will be able to rest in God's grace as your faith in his promises grows. They rose to leave and Benaiah embraced his father. Thank you, Abba. You've given me much to consider. As they returned home, Benaiah's heart felt lighter. Could it really be that easy? Just trust in the word of God and rest in his grace? Why didn't I find this out sooner? Continue listening for chapter 36.